Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host from freezing cold Tucson, Arizona. What the heck's going on, PK? The world is turning upside down. Everybody is out covering (laughs) up their plants because of the freeze. We're supposed to get down to 20. That is too darn cold for you. Well, we had snow sparkles around. There's definitely snow in the mountains, but wow, snow except in movies. You know what? It's 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 warmer it's warmer in the Berkshires of Massachusetts than it is in Tucson right now. Isn't that crazy? This morning when I left, it was cold. But when I came out of the TV station, it was freezing. I thought, wait a minute, this isn't what I counted for. No, that's not why you moved to Tucson. Oh my goodness me! I didn't think I was going to get burned. (laughs) Well, we need to know what's happening with the numbers because clearly things are upside down and and backwards. So, what's happening? What's going on with our numbers today, and what's coming up? Well, you know, we've been talking about the fact that all of this year deals with communications. This month is going to deal with major changes, good to bad, bad to good. But everything is very going to be happening very quickly. And you could pay attention to some of the things that are ongoing. Well, today's a two-day. Firstly, uh, people you're going to find have tended to be a little overly sensitive today and or are getting fed a story, shall we say. Truths are hard to come out sometimes when the two is around, because people get overly sensitive. They try to cover their tracks so they they don't look bad. They want everything to be just fine. But it also deals with relationships. And when we take a look at the way things have been ongoing after the speech last night, and we're talking about relationships that just are bouncing all over the place, people don't know what to trust. Because there's so many changes that are ongoing this month you think you've got a direct shot at something, and within a matter of minutes, you're going in another total different direction. Nothing is as it seems. need to just slow themselves down. You're going to find there's a tendency to feel almost like you're vibrating because of the changes happening so quickly. In fact, uh, I did see a few uh, traffic tickets being passed out on my way home this afternoon. So uh, that does mean people tend to... Drive a little faster, go a little faster. And, of course, there's somebody waiting there with a little notepad in their hand just dying to give you an autograph. I guess that's a nice <laughs> way to tell you it. <laughs> oh, so be careful, everybody. No uh, lead foot behavior now, huh? 
No, and the other thing to remember for is when the five is around us like it is, like I said, it, we talked about information coming out throughout this year, but the five makes us do things quickly and in a hurry. Consequently, uh, we want to do everything fast. That means party hardy and all the rest of the stuff. So there's going to be more traffic tickets, more DWIs, and you're going to see more craziness on the road. People, more shootings and things of that nature. There's certain elements ongoing. Uh, people just don't know how to be kind. Right now, they're in such a, a state of flux that they don't know which direction to go. So consequently, they're choosing the negative side of things because everything is a flip side right now. Everything is about change, good to bad, bad to good. So it's just kind of hold on to your well, hat, ride the wave. But information is going to be coming. Uh, today on The View, they were talking about uh, extraterrestrials and seeing lights in the sky and whatever. And they said, well, and they tried to pass it off, but Joy Behar, who doesn't particularly like anybody, had something to say about it and had to agree that maybe such a thing does exist. But we've talked about it before, so they passed it off. But I wish they would get into it a little bit more because they more access to things than the average person does. Get it out there. Let us know the truth. Well, you have to know that they're being coached on what they can say and not say when they're dealing with, I mean, mainstream media, as we all know, they're a bunch of paid oh. chills. So they're just taking direction from somebody on talking about the subject. But it follows with oh, how yeah. they are doing this soft disclosure, you know, bringing it out a little bit at a time. Of course, our audience is a smart audience. As you know, I always Definitely. say we have the smartest audience in radio. And that we, we know the drill. I mean, we know what they're up to. We know these things are real. We know there's a lot more to this that they're not willing to share because it's not advantageous to them. So it's okay because we know the truth and we bring on the very best guests to talk about it. And you're keeping a close eye on the numbers. You did say February secrets would be told. So I'm waiting for more stuff to come out. I mean, it is pretty funny to watch these politicians fumbling around from their the uh, ghosts of their past. Yeah. <laughs> it's really Amazing, something. Um, you get the popcorn out. Yes, it is. Oh, it really is. Not a doubt. When we talked about the secrets being made known. It's going to be even funnier because we have a whole year of it. They this, they won't be out under the gun until, oh, probably October. So there's going to be more and more things taking place throughout. This month, there's a major shift because it's about changes that we deal with, but it also deals with the, uh, the difference of how people are looking at things. They've tried to, some of these things, push them under the rug, but they can't do it. And, and watching last night, I have to say, whether you believe in Trump or don't believe in Trump, that's neither here nor there. But I thought that Nancy Pelosi, for God's sakes, if you haven't got your paperwork together, stay <laughs> out in the other room until you get it fixed. She looked like a jackass. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, you know, Bumbling with their papers. Really, it was. I was watching all of the comments because they did a live Facebook stream, and all of the comments, I was laughing out loud because they were all ragging on her about what she was up to and the grimaces or dentures, Botox. I mean, it was just on and on. And then all of the the women in white, the the comments were hilarious. And I just have to say to everybody, listen, 
Our audience, I know whether you believe, you know, which way you go, it doesn't matter to me, but in no, terms of either. your belief and one party or the other, we don't care. However, yeah. make sure don't that you're not being used. Don't be used yeah. to, uh, to, to be a, a part of a divisive agenda. That's all. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're not that way triggered that way because that's all a part of a very dark place and of course we support the light we support the truth and we support unity so it's a really good thing to come together and to appreciate that we're not we don't want to be used by any political uh, group and just take a clear look at that that's all so we've we've got things laid out in front of us that we can take a look at. And it's our personal choice, what we believe in or don't believe in. But if you don't oh, believe yeah. in something, don't make an ass of yourself in front of everybody else. Absolutely yeah, it's don't. just like, exactly. And you know that there are groups that trigger us and try to control us. Mm-hmm. And don't get involved with that. Get your freedom going. Get your freedom on. Yeah. So listen, talk about communication. And... Mm-hmm. Well, we have a great guest tonight who we are going to talk to in great detail about communication dreaming, and our guest is amazing, David J. Brown. We're going to bring him on in just a couple minutes. We're going to find out all about the latest research on lucid dreaming and all kinds of techniques to use, herbs to use, all kinds of things. I'm so excited to have him on the show. I know you are, too. He has a great book out, lots of books. This guy is quite the writer. He's written like, yes, I don't know, he is. a million. But we're lucky to have him on tonight, and his book is Dreaming Wide Awake. That's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get him on the show, we do have a couple of things that are pretty cool. On our Facebook page, and if you're not following us there, you should, because we've got great stories. One of them yes. is a video that you can watch about movie star Kurt Russell who is a pilot, Mm -hmm. and he and his son, while they were flying, saw a UFO. So he talks about it. Um, On this YouTube video, he was being interviewed on, I believe it was a morning show, and it's a great interview. You should check it out. Kurt, again, another straight-up guy, just very happy to share the truth, and that's what he does on this video. Then there was a rare fish sighting in Japan. Now, that's not a good Mm -hmm. thing, according to the Japanese. People. They're saying that this particular fish, when it's seen, it is a precursor to a major disaster, a major earthquake. So we're all keeping an eye on that. There also is a story about a top astronomer, and this is a wild one. He is saying that there is an alien UFO traveling by Jupiter right now, and his he's very defiant about it. He says it is a UFO. It is an extraterrestrial intelligence, and pr- go ahead, prove me wrong. So I like this guy. He's got attitude. You know, he's got great attitude. Mm-hmm. And so you can watch that video on our Facebook page as well. As well. And there was an event in Tucson yesterday, PK. Yeah. Right in your. And I've been right. In your, yeah. I, I've been trying to find out the what and the where, and we we were talking about it, and something like this happened a couple of years ago also. So this has happened at two or three different times, but they've never been able to say what it was. No, they don't know. I mean, they really don't know. Uh -uh. They said it was a serious event. 
It was severe, is, was the rating on the USGS list. They are mm-hmm. saying that it was a, a lot of shaking, and it felt like an earthquake. People were terrified, and it wasn't an earthquake. They said they had nothing no. show up as an earthquake. It, it did feel like that to the residents, and then there was a big, like, boom. So it was enough to yeah. scare everybody in that area. There is a listing of exactly where it happened, but they're calling it an unusual geological event. Go to our Mm -hmm. Facebook page and you can read about it there. And again, we're hearing about this, all these crazy booms and shakings going on around the world. This one, this happened to be in Tucson. Yeah, and I happened to be in the shower when it happened. How about that one? (laughs) I missed the whole thing. Oh, darn. Go look it up and read about it. Oh, it just isn't fair. I, I heard about it before you did. So, anyways, yeah. we have a lot of stuff going on on our Facebook page. Lots of great stories. Be sure to visit the page and like us, follow us, follow us on Twitter also. Be sure to visit patriciakirkman.com for your own personal numerology reading. And if you want to talk to me about dream analysis and mm-hmm. soul realignment. You can just send me an email. I'll be happy to talk to you about all of that and what to do to help yourself get in line and have a better life. That's what it's all about. So, anyways, tonight we have David J. Brown. He holds a master's degree in psychobiology from New York University. He is a former neuroscience researcher. He has written for Wired, one of my favorite magazines, Discover, and Scientific American, and he is the author of more than a dozen books, including Frontiers of Psychedelic Consciousness, and the book we're going to be talking about tonight, Dreaming, Wide Awake, Lucid Dreaming, Shamanic Healing, and Psychedelics. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that kind introduction, Patricia. It is a great pleasure to be here. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have to you have here. You for sure. That's, that's right. This is one of our favorite subjects for obvious reasons. And you are one of the most learned people that we've had on the show to discuss this and give our audience all kinds of great information, techniques, things that we can do all on our own. But first of all, tell us about you. How did you get from psychobiology into lucid dreaming? That's a good question. Um, and uh, when I was a teenager, around 16 years old, um, I was interested in, in meditation, altered states of consciousness. I had been experimenting with cannabis and with psychedelics. Um, and I had a spontaneous uh, lucid dream when I was uh, 16 years old. Um, I didn't really understand the potential of it at the time. I just knew that I was dreaming within the dream. Um, This happened to me around two days after I had a a psychedelic experience with LSD, and that was part of the inspiration for doing this book, was recognizing the connection between psychedelic experiences and and lucid dreaming. It it wasn't until um, I read... Carlos Castaneda's book a couple of years later, uh, Journey to Ixland, that I, I first learned the term lucid dreaming and I first understood him when he was talking about waking up in a dream. I was like, oh, that's what happened to me. And I fully recognized it. But again, fully, fully didn't understand the potential of, of it until I met um, physiologist and Stanford researcher Stephen LeBerch. Um, he's the author of the book Lucid Dreaming, and he's one of the primary lucid dream researchers who helped to establish it as a science. Um, when I met him, 
he helped me to understand the enormous potential that one has inside of a lucid dream for, first of all, fantasy fulfillment, being able to do whatever you like because the laws of physics don't operate and there are um, no biological or social consequences to our actions, so you can do whatever you want. Um, It has enormous therapeutic potential, which we can be talking about. There's research that shows that people have been able to heal from psychological traumas, from uh, physical illness and uh, other physical um, um, diseases and different types of problems with the body. And there's also not only evidence, but uh, a couple thousand years of usage of lucid dreaming as a technique for spiritual enhancement. Uh, Tibetan Buddhists have been incorporating Tibetan, I'm sorry, lucid dreaming as a technique for um, uh, approaching what they call enlightenment or an understanding of the bardos, what are called the in-between realms between life and death. So there's a, a long history of lucid dreaming and, um, and a more recent scientific history of lucid dreaming. And um, it can be used for fantasy fulfillment, like I said, therapeutic potential, or spiritual advancement. It's certainly uh, a great adventure for someone who's never experienced it before, being able to, excuse me, kind of being able to fly or, or walk through walls or um, uh, converse with historical figures or departed loved ones, um, being able to make anything appear. It's, uh, it's certainly a, an extraordinary opportunity to be able to learn more about our own minds and learn more about ourselves. It also affords a, a more control over your waking life, doesn't it? Because if you can pay attention and wake up in your dreams, then you can wake up in your life, right? Ah, well, that's you're you're getting blessed. That's way ahead. Yeah, that's that's I think one of the most advanced <laughs> things you can learn from from lucid dreaming. Exactly what you described um, on a spiritual level. If you learn to wake up in your dreams and understand the role, the incredible power that your mind has in terms of fabricating realities, in terms of constructing realities. When you look around in a lucid dream and see the world as every bit as solid and every bit as detailed as the world looks to you right now, you realize the amazing power that your mind has to construct simply from imagination and memories. It can construct your reality every bit as realistic and solid as the one that we're finding ourselves in, in right now. So yes, that is, that's, Truly, truly extraordinary. And uh, that was talked about in, in detail and written about by Carlos Castaneda, one of my very favorite writers. And he had some techniques that he discussed, like focusing on his hands in his dreams. You also write about that in your book as a good technique to, before you go to bed, tell yourself you're going to see your hands in your dreams. And it's not as easy as it sounds, is it? There, there, are, there are some good techniques that if people start to practice, um, I can almost guarantee that you will have a lucid dream within a week or two. Um, first of all, I would, I, I'll bet that a good portion of your listening audience tonight is going to have a lucid dream just simply from us talking about it and them thinking about it. So the process of talking and thinking and reading about lucid dreaming helps to increase the probability. Almost everyone re- re- reports this. Um, another technique that you'll want to get to do if you really are serious about lucid dreaming is start to keep a dream journal. Write down whatever you remember from a dream the moment you wake up. Even if it's in the middle of the night, turn on the light and and write it down. Um, You're going to want to start getting into the practice of this, even if you think that you don't remember any dreams. Even if you wake up and you think, I don't remember anything, then write down how you feel. 
And if you remember the tiniest little snippet of the dream, write that down and, and record it. You really want to get into the habit of focusing and paying attention to your dreams because the more you try to write them down, the more you're going to find yourself remembering and the more they're going to start to come back to you. That's one of the most important things really is paying attention to your dreams. Another technique that I have learned that, um, that, really, that really helps me a lot is something that Stephen LaBerge the uh, Stanford um, researcher who helped to establish lucid dreaming as a science taught me was that um, you should start getting into the habit throughout the day of asking yourself that all-important question. Am I dreaming right now? You want to get into the habit of asking yourself that question once an hour or even more so. Really get into the habit of asking it frequently, and when you ask yourself the question, you've got to take it seriously. You can't just flippantly say, oh, of course I'm not dreaming, because the whole idea of doing this, that in the waking state, you're going to find that carries over into the dream state, so that when you're dreaming, you're going to find yourself asking the question, am I dreaming right now? Now, what you want to do when you ask yourself that question is take what we call a reality test, because <clears throat> waking reality and dream reality respond in, in different ways. When you're in a dream reality, and you look at a piece of paper, and you memorize what the words on the paper say, look away and look back. In a dream, the words will almost always change. And in this reality, of course, they, they stay safe, stay perfectly stable. So that's one of the things. Another reality, another really good reality test is to hold your nostrils closed and try to breathe through your nose. Now, of course, in this reality, you won't be able to do it, but there's a, a glitch in the dream matrix, and you'll find that you have no problem doing this. And believe me, it is terribly exciting when you find yourself in a dream and you say, oh, my God, I'm, I'm dreaming right now, and you look around and you see the world you know, as real as it looks right now, and, and yet you know that you're dreaming. It's remarkable. The problem, the problem is that most people then get too excited, and they wake up really easily. So you want to... Try to stay calm and keep your mind calm and try to keep your body as calm as possible so you don't get your heart beating fast and physically physically wake up. Another really, really great technique is to set your alarm clock around um, three hours before you normally wake up. Uh, get up, go to the bathroom, do a little bit of reading, maybe a small amount of exercise, but not too much. Crossword puzzle, do something to kind of get your mind engaged maybe for about a half an hour or so, and then go back to sleep. Uh, when people do that regularly, they find that um, around 50% of the time if they do it regularly, um, they will eventually start lucid dreaming. It's really good to try to combine these different techniques, you know, to combine the you know, reality testing, uh, waking up a little bit earlier, you know, keeping a dream journal, um, getting into the habit while you're falling asleep of repeating the phrase, um, the next time I'm dreaming, I'm going to remember to recognize that I'm dreaming. The next time that I'm dreaming, I'm going to remember to recognize that I'm dreaming. You repeat that as you're falling asleep. If you start combining the, these different techniques, also with some of the different uh, herbs and nutrients and drugs that we'll be talking about later, um, you'll find that uh, most people have a lucid dream within, within a week or two. That's exciting. And I love what you just shared about asking yourself when you're awake, am I dreaming mm -hmm. right now? I think that's a fun exercise to do. I, I'm not big on waking myself up with an alarm clock or <laughs> <laughs> how about you, PK? But no, I huh? do it all the time. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. But but I do like, am I dreaming right now? And I understand exactly what you're talking about with, because I do lucid dream, but I am one of those people who then wakes up. And I'm practicing on staying in that dream state. One thing I learned, and you probably, I probably even mentioned it in your book, that you can go back into the same dream and you're more likely to do that if you go back to sleep in the same position that you woke up in. And that mm. has worked. So it's, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I find it so much. Yeah, I haven't noticed that about the same position. Um, but there, there are certain positions that are more proning to lucid dreaming, lying on your back, lying on your right side. People have, tend to have, have more lucid dreams. But I find that, that you know, what you're talking about, I've definitely experienced as well. And I find that the least amount of movement that I do, the, you know, if I can sort of go back into the dream, if I stay, you know, in a, in a sort of sleepy, non-moving kind of state, oftentimes I can go right back into that particular dream. Um, some of the techniques that I found for maintaining the dream, because what you describe is one of the most common things that people experience as a really frustrating thing. They, they do attain lucidity in the dream, but then wake up just a couple seconds later because they just get so excited. Wow, I'm dreaming. Oh, God. <laughs> and, you know, next yeah. thing you know, you're, 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 you're lying in your bed again going, damn, you know, what happened? So, <laughs> Where'd so you there, go? Are, there right. are techniques. You know, it went you too want, far. You, you, want, you, want, you want to really tell yourself to uh, stay calm. Um, practicing meditation on, on a daily basis helps you to do that. It's getting, people also dream more frequently when they meditate regularly. So finding some kind of meditation practice in your daily waking life helps you to, to sustain the lucid dream for longer. Um, another thing is just simply to try to, you know, when you find yourself in a lucid dream, if you see it starting to fade, um, put out your arms, stretch out your arms as far as you can and start spinning around in, in circles like, like a whirling dervish. Okay, and that process, uh, Stephen LaBerge actually discovered this, that process, uh, because of the kinesthetic movement of our dream body, helps to sustain uh, and maintain the lucid dream for longer. So if, if you find yourself, the dream's fading, start spinning around in circles with your eyes closed. And you can also then use that, you know, not only to sustain the lucid dream, but then use that as an opportunity to launch into another environment within the lucid dream. So while you've got your eyes closed, spinning around in circles like a whirling turbish, imagine where you want to be, you know, Martian landscape, underwater, you know, in the White House, you know, wherever, wherever, you, wherever, you're, wherever you feel inclined to, uh, to take your fantasy. And you'll find more often than not that when you open your eyes, you will actually be in that place. So it's a way of actually creating um, realities within the lucid dream uh, in addition to sustaining the um, the length of the lucid dream. Yeah, that's all good advice. I mean, I really I enjoy hearing from you about all of these different possibilities and ways to stay in that lucid state. And you know, you talk about things in this book that I have not heard anybody else talk about. For example, you talked about how when people are in lucid dreams, sometimes. You can manipulate the reality to a certain degree, but then you also mentioned how people have had experiences of other beings in their dreams that they could not manipulate, and that yes, being kind of looked at them like, what are you trying to do? You can't do that to me. <laughs> Tell us about that, because, I mean, now you're talking about a whole other experience with life forms, right? 
yes. Well, that's where you're getting into an area that to me is just, is just profoundly, profoundly uh, fascinating. Um, you know, first of all, it's kind of a lot of people, I mean, I know you don't think this, but a lot of, a lot of people have this idea that a lucid dream means that you control the dream. When in fact, all it really means is that you can influence the dream. There, there, there's still too many forces operating that are outside of your control, and the dream will, will always uh, surprise you. Um, so, so there is that. The, the mystery of the characters that you encounter, encounter in a lucid dream is, is, is to me just is, is very profound and um, something I've really given a lot of thought to. I've tried numerous, numerous experiments and ways to try to, to trick the characters into revealing whether they're simply, you know, my imagination, the, you know, parts of myself, the backside of my own brain, or whether they're actually independently conscious entities of some sort, either in my own mind yeah, or right. in another dimension. You know, I, I, I wondered about all these things. I, I noticed that the characters that you encounter in a lucid dream um, basically fall into a, a couple of basic categories. The majority of them, really are not that interesting. The majority of characters, and, I, and I, almost every lucid dream, that's one of the first things I do is try to engage the characters in conversation. The majority of them, I find, and others have reported, that they tend to be uh, kind of mechanical or puppet-like or don't seem to be able to you know, say very much that's, that really isn't that unpredictable. Um, they seem very simple-minded. However, every so often you will run across a character that does not appear that way at all and will surprise you with everything they say and will do everything in their power to convince you that they are, you know, uh, a conscious being just like you are. Um, and I don't know what to make of those experiences. They're, they're, they're mind-boggling. I, I, I've been questioning this for years, and I think it's a very, very profound mystery. But even more mysterious than that is is that sometimes you meet beings that not only will um, convince you of their independent um, state of consciousness or independent mind thinking, but that actually have a kind of uh, conscious mind that seems to be superior to your own. And we call these the, the wise beings. And um, they're not very often encountered, but when they are, many people see them as like, illuminated beings or angels or you know, wise old men or women or something like that. For, for me, they've always appeared as small children, like five or six-year-old children. But um, they appear different ways for different people. And these are beings that seem to know more about us than we know ourselves. And they can impart information upon us that we're just not aware of, sometimes psychic information about future events or different things. And, and then you can sort of carry this one step further and ignore all the characters in your dreams and talk to the dream itself. You, you can actually just in, ignore the environment, look up to the sky and just ask the dream itself a question. And there is some kind of dreaming mind. There's some kind of higher intelligence that is orchestrating the dream itself that you can actually dialogue with. What that is, is a mystery. Is it some other part of your brain? Is it, you know, is it, is it a deity? Is it another spirit? I mean, I just don't know. It, it is very profound to experience this, though, because, like I said, this being seems to know more about you or more about us than we know ourselves. So this is something I highly encourage people to experiment with. This is a technique, by the way, that I learned from uh, Robert Wagner, uh, who wrote the book uh, Lucid Dreaming. And um, I, I try to use it every opportunity I can when I'm, when I'm having a lucid dream. But 
but yeah, the, the characters, um, you know, in a lucid dream are, are deeply mysterious. And uh, it's very similar. Also, I just want to mention, um, talking to the dream, it's very similar to what people experience during a shamanic voyage. When, when people go down to the Amazon and do the um, shamanic brew ayahuasca and have a psychedelic or a shamanic or hallucinogenic experience, they often feel that the spirit of the plant is talking to them and can dialogue with them in some way. And this is very similar to what people experience in a lucid dream, that kind of dialogue with some kind of higher intelligence that um, that seems to be teaching us, teaching us about ourselves and about the nature of the universe. Now, I've heard this referred to as the oversoul, that when people ha- hear that big booming voice or what, however it comes to them, and it is more intelligent, and it does know more about us than we do. I've heard it referred to like that, that this is the oversoul. Is that a possibility with that yeah, experience? Yeah, that's, 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 I think, I think that, that's, that's a great term for it. Um, there's a wonderful book by, uh, by Jane Roberts, and if you're familiar, Jane Roberts, uh, who wrote the... Um, oh, yeah, the Seth material. Yeah, yeah, the, the Seth speech and some of the really, really remarkable, the best books on channeling ever. I mean, really remarkable, remarkable books. She wrote a novel uh, called The Education of Oversoul 7 that I, I just love, which, which is about somebody living seven lifetimes simultaneously from the point of view of the oversoul. But, uh, yeah, it's, whether we have this kind of like higher part of ourselves or an oversoul and whether there are oversouls to oversouls and how many layers there are to this, to this, you know, intelligence that we're a part of in the universe is, uh, is the greatest mystery there is. <laughs> it really is. I, I'll tell you, I had this really interesting experience with a being and then I shot out of my room. <laughs> I was, Asleep, I was having a dream, and all of a sudden I felt something breathing on the back of my neck. And I was mm-hmm. alone in my bed, and it I got this image of what this thing was, and it just startled me. Like, I just can't even describe. I don't think startle is even a strong enough word. But what happened to me was I screamed out the name of my friend, Becky. Um, and the next thing I knew, I was in her kitchen. And I thought to myself, I better not really be in her kitchen because then I'm going to have to get on a plane in my pajamas and fly home (laughs) because she's in Virginia. (laughs) And, I mean, it felt that real. I mean, the whole Mm -hmm. experience. And then when I talked to Becky the next day, I said, what happened? And I I got so startled that I just called for help from you. And the next thing I knew was in your kitchen. And your kitchen looked like this. And I described it. And I said, I saw you in the kitchen talking to one of your daughters or somebody. I don't know. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's my kitchen. And that's where I talk to people is in my kitchen. So I said, I'm really glad I didn't end up there uh, in my pajamas. <laughs> but it felt like I could have. So. <laughs> you know, you know so, it's, anyway. it's interesting. It's interesting. One has to wonder about these kind of alternative realities that we can find ourselves in, in, in dreams or, or altered states or out-of-body experiences as to whether they really correlate with physical reality. Sometimes it seems like they're a very strange mixture of the two, if, if you've heard of this before, but a lot of people have out-of-body experiences where the room that they're in doesn't completely correlate with physical reality. In other words, it'll be like an extra window or something will be slightly different or slightly off about it, but yet sometimes they can pick up information 
that they didn't know in that state that really did happen. So it seems to me that what's happening when people are having an out-of-body experience, just like when they're having a waking body experience, you're, you're constructing physical reality as a simulation in your mind, and then you're interacting with it. And I think sometimes people can pick up information in out-of-body experiences through some kind of, you know, um, sense, some kind of like, uh, some type of telepathy or some type of clairvoyance or things like that. And I think it feeds into the the out-of-body experience. Yeah, it does seem to, it can, I guess, uh, combine and, and you get this very wild journey. And uh, again, all of these things are fascinating to both PK and I and our audience. It, there's so much potential here. And I I get frustrated sometimes, David, because I see people today, and I've said this probably too many times, don't want to put the time into it. And I even saw in your book where you discussed uh, one of your mentors saying, look, if people don't make the time for this, if they don't have the energy for this, then it's not going to happen. And I feel like people are missing out on one of the greatest gifts that we have as human beings. And it's free. This costs us yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's an, it, it takes active engagement. And, and, it, and it takes real um, uh, dedication to practicing these techniques. So yeah, it's it's not something. It's just gonna it's just gonna come from from taking a pill or from you know. But you know, I have to say though that there there is a group at the Max Planck Institute in Germany right now, a group of scientific researchers that has found a way to develop a um, a uh, uh, electronic technology that will uh, stimulate the uh, prefrontal cortex, a part of the brain, while people are asleep and dreaming. And when this is stimulated, um, around 80% of people will spontaneously have a dream, a lucid dream during this experience. So there's going to there's gonna be ways, even for, for lazy people, to uh, just uh, wrap a little electronic band around their head before they go to sleep and uh, flip a switch and uh, find themselves in a, in a lucid dream. <laughs> That's Amazing. great, because I know... People but, like but, that but, kind but, of but, thing. But, 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 yeah, people, let me also just say, though, that even with that kind of um, easy access to this to this state of consciousness, of engagement, it's not like sitting back and watching a movie. I mean, nothing's going to happen in a lucid dream, really, if you're just sitting there. You have to actually take an active role. And it's usually helpful to make uh, an intention um, during your waking hours, what you're going to do in a lucid dream. I usually have a running list of things that I'm going to do the next time I find myself lucid in a dream. Oh, I want to try this or I want to try that or somebody gives me a new idea of something to try. So it's uh, it's good to have something uh, on your mind that you want to do when you get there. And uh, like I said, it really takes uh, you know a lot of active engagement and, um, and practicing at these techniques on a regular basis. It's just, you know, it does happen spontaneously sometimes, but, uh, but those are... Unless you're an unusual type of person, those experiences are usually pretty rare. And you're right, and it does take intent. I mean, like you said, have an intention of what you want to do when you're in this lucid dream. or It just becomes an important thing, I think, in life in general. So if you can go into your dreaming state with an intent, it helps you to get even that kind of focus in your everyday life. And that helps. That helps a lot of oh, people absolutely. to stay on track, reach their goals. I mean, all of it, I think, is one thing leads to another. And I think to just abandon the dream state because people don't 
value it. I think it's a ma- massive and major loss to yes. not understand what a great gift it is. I, I agree. We, we we live in a you know in a Western culture where um, where dreaming is not taken that seriously. I mean, we're we're conditioned. As, as children, a child wakes up from a mm-hmm. very profound dream or a scary nightmare or something, and the child's like mystified by what happened. And the parent comes in the room and says, "Oh, honey, honey, that was just a dream, just a dream." Right. As, 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 as if like it has no significance. No, it's not real. It's just a dream. Yeah, I mean, a lot of I mean, some cultures really do, you know, take dreaming very, very seriously. And like, like Tibet, you know, the Tibetan Buddhist culture takes dreaming very seriously. In Japan. They take dreaming very seriously. So there are, there are cultures where where it is, uh, you know, not pushed aside the same way we do here in uh, in the West. But um, but yeah, you're right. It, it has a very very uh, profound um, potential and meaning that people uh, people are often missing. I mean, we're dreaming for a good percentage of our lives, and um, and most people uh, most people just simply forget it. Most people emerge from a dream state like a. And you know, and like being drunk, <laughs> almost not even remember anything, right? Yeah, you, know, so, you have so. amnesia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, now, so do you it, find that women have a, can have an easier time remembering their dreams than men? That's a good question. Um, I wonder if there's been a scientific study on that. Um, I, I, I think. I don't know of, a, of any science to back this up, but I think that you're right. When I, you know, in my own personal conversations and talking to people, I haven't really thought about it that much. I know men and women dream about different types of things. Um, that I think women tend to dream about people more than men, um, social situations. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know an answer to that. But I think you're right. And now that I, you know, talk to more, when talking to people, I think more women tend to tell me about their dreams than men. Women seem to pay more attention to their dreams than men. And then take mm-hmm. more of a significance to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I find that so interesting because I know when I was in private practice, I I did find that to be true, and I just wondered if you did as well. It just seemed like it was it took a lot more effort for for men to, and also you know, traditional roles men are involved in the everyday work life, which can be all consuming, but. Hey, so can women be, whether it's in the work world or as moms, I mean, which is a 24-7 mm-hmm. job. So I don't know. There is something about uh, women and dreaming that I've always found rather magical. Yeah. Yeah. Or people that tend to be very inner focused, people that pay attention to their inner life, people that are, you know, very, very active in the external world, I think may not notice it as much. Someone who spends a lot of time alone. Um, and that increases the probability of lucid dreaming is, uh, is is daily meditation. So there's something about just getting more in touch with your inner mind and more in touch with yourself that helps people to remember, like I said, keeping a dream journal, paying more attention to your dreams. So. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, another thing that you talk about in your book, which we're going to get into right after the break, is what do you do when you have a lucid dream and it's a nightmare? So, again, you're one of the few people that's brought that up. I want to talk to you about that as well. It's going to be a good one. So, everybody, we're going to take a very short commercial break and come right back and continue our conversation tonight. It's so exciting with David J. Brown, who's the author of a terrific book, Dreaming Wide Awake, Lucid Dreaming, Shamanic Healing, and Psychedelics. So stay tuned, everybody. We will be right back. 
Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, PK, and our great guest tonight, 
And our guest is David J. Brown. He is the author of a book, Dreaming, Wide Awake, Lucid Dreaming, Shamanic Healing, and Psychedelics. So, David, we left off talking about what happens if you're in a lucid dream and it turns into a nightmare. What do you do? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, well, you know, for <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, uh, the first time they have a lucid dream is, is during a nightmare. Oftentimes, people who have chronic nightmare problems for years um, sometimes wake up during the nightmare and realize that they're dreaming. Um, lucid dreaming is actually a technique that is taught by psychotherapists. Some psychotherapists use this, as I'm sure you're aware, to help people over, overcome nightmares. Um, Stephen LeBerge had suggested that when you encounter a um, menacing figure in a, in a nightmare, a, a, you know, a demonic figure chasing you or, or an evil figure that's trying to harm you in some way, that what you should do is uh, once you realize that you're dreaming and, and you're lucid, that you should then, um, of course, realize that your body is lying safely and peacefully in bed in some far-off dimension and no harm can really come to you. And this is an opportunity to try to try to work something out with this part of yourself that's tormenting you. So Stephen LeBurge actually suggests trying to to hug the the menacing figure, to try to to try to be friendly, to be warm towards it. And a lot of people find that this this in itself will solve the problem, and they stop having the nightmare. Um, I have an anecdote in my book about a woman who was <clears throat> chased for, for years by uh, what she described as something like a, a Frankenstein monster. And uh, at one mm. point, uh, finally became lucid in the dream and um, stopped, turned around and, and faced the monster and walked up to it. And the next thing they knew, they were walking down the street together and he was proposing some kind of business proposition to her. So, <laughs> so, 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 so some people can reconcile lucid dreams sometimes in that way. Um, my, my colleague, Ryan Hurd, uh, is, is quick to point out that this doesn't always work and that for some people, um, they, uh, they find that the menacing figure remains menacing and they remain terrified in the lucid dream and uh, they can't wake up from the lucid dream and they find it extremely frightening to be lucid and stuck in this reality. Um, I had a friend who actually, who asked me this when I was writing the book and I was thinking, God, why would anybody want to wake up from a lucid dream? But she was like, well, how do you wake up from one if you really want to wake up? And I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out techniques to sustain them as long as I can, you know, wake up. Right. Um, I, I did. I, I, I did find there are there, there there is a very effective way from waking up from a lucid dream. If you find that hugging the monster doesn't work, if you find that trying to face it and confront your fears and recognize that you're safe, if those things aren't working, and you really are terrified in the lucid dream and just want to get the hell out of there, the thing to do is to hold your breath. If you hold your breath in the, in the lucid dream. Um, you'll actually, like I told you, was talking about earlier, um, that your eyes and your breath correspond to your physical body. So if you actually try to hold your breath, you know, as long as you can in the dream, that will usually stop, you know, cause you to stop breathing, your physical body to stop breathing, and that will usually jolt you awake. So that's, that's ah. a very quick and, and an effective method um, if you really want to get out of that lucid dream and get back to, to waking reality. And it's not only for, you know, you can use that technique not only for when you become frightened in a nightmare, but also um, it can be a very effective technique. If you 
you know, want to remember something. I mean, the, the, one of the problems with lucid dreaming is that, you know, if you get a good idea or something interesting happens, it's hard to hold on to those ideas throughout the lucid dream. Because often if you just continue, sometimes, you, you know, you forget things along the way. So if you have a really good idea, you know, you develop this great plot twist for your new novel or an idea for a new painting or something, um, what a lot of creative people like to do is deliberately wake themselves up at that point in the dream and then they can write down the idea before it's lost to record it in some way. So that's what I would suggest. For, uh, wow. For Never heard that before. What a great idea. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, now we have a way to wake up, PK. We can get out of these <laughs> bad situations in our dreams just by holding our breath. That's not a bad way to do it. No, Gosh, I didn't know, but I didn't know what I was getting myself. You hold out. your breath a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. I, I think that's actually. I think. I think some people actually do it. You know, spontaneously, they get so excited mm-hmm. about lucid dream, and that's often what wakes them up. Is they kind of hold their breath, not even realizing you're doing it. So, you actually, you know, regular deep breathing is a way of sustaining the lucid dream. Wow. Okay. Now. You have experimented quite a bit with herbal and uh, medical enhancements for lucid dreaming. So tell us your experience with some of these and and the ones that you like the best, the ones that you like the least. I know people have asked me consistently from our audience, what do you recommend to help remember dreams? So what do you recommend? Okay, well, I can talk a little bit about my own experience and what's worked for me. They're not, they're not so much recommendations. They're certainly not medical advice. But um, I can talk about my experience, and I, I have had a lot of interesting experience. I thought that this was something that was missing from all the other manuals on lucid dreaming. Uh, nobody else had talked about this. Um, and there are, there are, like I mentioned earlier, part of my own um, interest in lucid dreaming arose from my experience with psychedelics as a teenager. Um, I've discovered there is a, a vast array of herbs, nutritional supplements, and drugs that will enhance the dreaming process, will help you remember dreams better, and in some cases actually help to foster the process of, of lucid dreaming. Um, some of the most common herbs that are known to and even scientific studies show uh, will enhance dreaming. One of the most common is something called Kalia Zacatiki, which is also known as the Mexican dream herb. And this is uh, mentioned um, in Carlos Castaneda's books, and it's available on you know, almost every um, online herbal you know, seller. Uh, they almost all carry it. Um, I found that it almost definitely uh, enhanced the um, the, the uh, my my memory of the dream, and it enhanced a certain kind of vividness to the dream and made them different in a way that's hard to describe. But uh, it definitely affected my dreams and enhanced my dreams, although I did not find that it, it increased my probability of lucid dreaming. In fact, never actually had a lucid dream on one, um, although other people have reported it. It's, it's one of the most common herbs that you see in like one of these like lucid dream formulas. They almost all put it in because it does enhance dreaming. But like I said, I have never had a lucid dream while on it. Um, a similar herb, um, that one comes from Mexico, a similar herb that comes from Africa, uh, sometimes known as the African dream herb, or uh, the, um, the Latin name is Siline capensis, um, I find works at least as effectively as Calia uh, zacatiki, but in a different way. Um, interestingly, they, they both have 
very mild um, psychedelic effects so that when you take it before you go to sleep, the hypnogogic experience, you know, that, that uh, vivid in-between state between falling asleep and waking up, the, the imagery in that experience is greatly enhanced with the Kalia Zakatiki and the Syline Capensis. And, and like the Mexican dreamer, the African dreamer, enhanced the quality of my dreaming, uh, helped me remember my dreams better, um, changed them in some kind of undefinable way, but again, didn't increase my ability to actually lucid dream. The, the one herb that I found that did do this, that I had lucid dreams almost every time I used it, um, is something called velvet bean, which is a, an herb that's used in Ayurvedic medicine, and um, it increases uh, a neurotransmitter uh, in the body called L-dopa, or I'm sorry, no, no, it's a precursor to the neurotransmitter, um, uh, uh, dopamine, and it's called L-dopa. And when you increase dopamine levels in the brain, um, while you're sleeping. Some people find that it interferes with their sleep and they can't sleep that well. I found that it really didn't. Um, for me, it, it increased the vividness and the action-oriented nature of the dream tremendously and also the, the probability of, a, of having a lucid dream. Found that I had lucid now, dreams. How do you velvet. spell that one? You said velvetine. Uh, Is it, how do you spell it? Yeah, it's, yeah I'm sorry. It's, it's two words. Velvet, V-E-L-V-E-T, and then bean, B-E-A-N. Um, oh, bean. Okay. Yeah, velvet, okay. velvet bean. Yeah. And and uh, it's easy to find online. It's easy to find. The, all the health food store around here carry it. Carry it. Right, you know, at the local health food store. Um, it's it's very interesting. It has other interesting properties too. It has sexually enhancing properties. So it's, it's worth trying and, and experimenting with. Um, those are some of the more effective herbs. Um, that I found uh, for it. Um, out here, you know, uh, cannabis is, is now legal, and um, cannabis tends to inhibit dreaming. Uh, most people find that when they use cannabis, that they that they dream, they dream less. They can't remember their dreams as well. It's a very, very, very common uh, side effect from it. But people do find that if they use cannabis for a time and then stop, then their dreams go wild. They start having dreams like crazy. So that, that's also like another way of increasing dreaming is by suppressing it temporarily and then letting your, your natural function return and people have uh, enormous, amounts of, uh, enormous amounts of dreams. Um, there's a, a cognitive enhancer, a drug that's used for senile dementia that's uh, available without a prescription. You can get it on Amazon. It's called uh, galantamine. And uh, a lot of people claim that this is the, the holy grail of, um, of lucid dreaming, and uh, Stephen LeBerge even patented uh, a technique for using it because uh, it was it was so effective. Um, a lot of people reported it as being very effective. Ryan Hurd did a study; um, you can find it online uh, where they found uh, just how frequently increased lucid dreaming. In my personal experiences, I unfortunately never had one lucid dream of it. Um, I found that it just stimulated me too much. It was like drinking a cup of coffee before going to bed, and I just I wasn't oh able boy. to sleep on it. So, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so it didn't work that well. Yeah. Huh. So, Very so, well. So, but, but that's the one that most people find. That's like sort of the classic lucid dream, you know, enhancer. Um, and for a lot of people, it, it does work. But uh, if you're a light sleeper like me, um, you'll, you'll find it a little Yeah. Let's go back a second to cannabis, because I've heard this complaint over and over again. Because, you know, it's legal here in Massachusetts, both medicinally and recreationally. And people have complained about 
you know, they'll take it for even just the CBD oil, which also has a minor, minor amount of THC in it. And it doesn't alter their consciousness, up, up, so it appears. However, exactly what you said happens. It does inhibit their ability to remember their dreams and it, across the board. This is what's yeah. happening. I wonder why. Is there any explanation yeah. for that? There, 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 there's no good scientific explanation, but but I have an explanation that I that I that I sort of play around with. Um, this is the thing they, they they've they've done research where they try to prevent people from having um, REM sleep. So in other words, when people are in a sleep laboratory, um, they're monitoring their their brain waves, and every time they enter into the REM stage of sleep, it's a particular stage of sleep where people are most actively dreaming, where your eyes are moving rapidly back and forth. If people are woken up during that stage and not allowed to go through REM sleep um, repeatedly, um, every night the brains will try to increase the amount of REM sleep they have. And if they keep getting woken up, they become extremely irritable and almost non-functional. So we know that REM, REM sleep dreaming is essential to a healthy psychological mind. Um, and yet people who use cannabis really generally have healthy minds. There's something, there's not something that's being suppressed that would be doing this. Um, people who um, have, people who use cannabis regularly tend to have measurably less periods in their sleep where they're, where they're in uh, this period called REM. However, they have more periods where they're in what we call the restorative stage of sleep. So people are actually getting deeper and uh, more restorative sleep when they're using cannabis regularly. My theory about, about why dreaming is not well remembered um, is this. I think that when, when, you're, when you're using cannabis, um, oftentimes the insights that people have, what they call the revelations, those creative ideas, are ways for the unconscious mind to communicate with the conscious mind. And I think that's also what dreaming is largely trying to accomplish. That's one of the one of the theories as to what dreaming is doing is it's helping our unconscious or our subconscious mind to communicate with the conscious part of ourselves. So I think that if cannabis is helping us on a daily basis to um, to accomplish this uh, this movement from material from our unconscious to our conscious, we may not have as much of a buildup, as much of a need for it um, when we're dreaming. Yeah, so that's what's one theory. Because, like I said, people who use cannabis, you know, tend to be perfectly healthy psychologically. So, I mean, I use cannabis pretty regularly, and you know. It, I try to stop every so often specifically because it interferes with my dreams. That's the, that's the one side effect from it that I really don't like because um, I really do love my dreams. And, uh, yes. And, and, cannabis, yeah, and cannabis can really interfere, unfortunately. It's, yeah, that's but a very interesting theory. Yeah, but it's also a wonderful way to get creative ideas, as, as I'm sure you know. And uh, large portions of my book, Dreaming Wide Awake, were written under the influence. So. Uh, so it can certainly, I think, help with uh, with writing and um, and other forms of creative expression. Yeah, it just shuts down the dreaming process, which is unfortunate <laughs> yeah. for many people who enjoy their dreams. Okay, so yeah. keep going. Tell us more. What what other types? And one of the things I saw, and PK, I know you must have seen this too, and it surprised me, is that cough medicine. 
what in the world? How does that work? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's well, you know, that hasn't happened to me. I mean, I got that. I got that. You know, because a couple of people reported that to me. There, there's something in it called dextromethorphan, which is actually a, a dissociative anesthetic, and for some people, that actually, um, in small amounts, um, when they take it before going to sleep, um, some people have reported having lucid dreams. I have a friend who told me that used to happen every time. So, uh, yeah, that was another one. Another one is um, is um, something called mugwort, which is an, which is an herb that's been uh, traditionally used in uh, lots of witchcraft potions. It's like whenever, whenever you hear like a Hollywood movie and they're mixing things together, Eye of Newt and mugwort is always one of the, one of the ingredients in the, in the potions. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's also available in a lot of herb stores. Um, people use it for, for digestion and different things, but um, it also enhances dreaming uh, tremendously. And for me also, I've had some very powerful lucid dreams on it as well. So both dream enhancement and lucid dreaming. However, a, a number of people have reported with mugwort that it unfortunately tends to enhance uh, the dark aspects of dreaming. And a lot of people have had disturbing dreams with it. So that's... Uh, so some people use mugwort though as as a tea. You can take it as a tea, and some people just take the herb and put it in a uh, in a little pouch, and then just sleep with the pouch next to their head and just and, and just uh, smell the, um, the 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 fragrance or whatever it's it's giving mm-hmm. off. It has some type of um, shamanic properties or psychoactive properties as well. But uh, but I did find mugwort to be uh, to to be very effective and very interesting and. It's like six dollars an ounce. It's really cheap, but certainly worth trying, and it can, it can help you di- help your digestion too. So, so that's, another that's one a good thing. Yeah. Now, I've also seen references to patchouli and basil seeds. Have you ever seen anything about that? I haven't. No, I'm not familiar with that. No, it's not something that I remember researching or hearing about. Have you had experience with that? I'd be curious. You, you know, I, I tried a tea with patchouli once, and it really didn't agree with me. Uh, <laughs> it made me sick to my <laughs> stomach. Um, but the basil seeds I really liked because they're more gelatinous, and I thought, oh, something like this could actually be good intestinally, even if it doesn't give you a lucid dream. But I did not notice with the basil seeds any type of change with dreaming reality and remembering dreams, et cetera. Um, I just thought it was a good tonic to take. But it was yeah. referenced as those two things together could help enhance your dreaming reality. But I couldn't get past the, the taste of the patchouli tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overwhelming yeah. to me. Yeah, as, You know, we discussed this potions. before we get on the air. Some of this stuff tastes god-awful. So, yeah, I think you have to be somewhat dedicated to try some of these things. And everybody's different. So what works for one person may not work for another, but it's all of this stuff that we've discussed so far is legal, and you can give it a try. And Like you said, it's available online. Now, ayahuasca, you have had experiences with that. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Yes. Well, yeah, I went down to uh, Peru and spent some time in the Amazon down there, and I had uh, some experiences with uh, ayahuasca, which is uh, a shamanic brew. It's made from uh, two different plants. Uh, one plant uh, contains uh, something called dimethyltryptamine, which is a, a natural neurotransmitter found in the brain that when you uh, increase the levels of it, produces uh, profound psychedelic experiences. And uh, another chemical, another plant that contains the chemical called harmaline, 
uh, DMT is not, uh, dimethyltryptamine is not orally active unless it's uh, taken in, in conjunction with, uh, with harmaline. How the Indians in South America fit upon this combination with uh, the countless plants down there, the, the one that contains DMT and the one that contains harmaline, when no other two plants would work together like that is, is miraculous unto itself. And how they did it, they said it came to them through their dreams. In their dreams, they said that the plants spoke to them. So that's really the best theory that, that we have, really, how they came up with this. But uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable experience. It's almost kind of like a, a waking dream. Um, if anybody's had experiences with other psychedelics like magic mushrooms or, or LSD or something like that, it's, it's somewhat similar but, but much deeper. Um, it's, it's not something you can usually um, do much besides uh, sit there. People often get physically sick. It's not something people do for fun. It's not usually that enjoyable of an experience. A lot of <laughs> yeah. people um, vomit for hours and it's, you know, it's not usually the most uh. pleasant thing, but, but what you, you see a, an enormous array of visions, visions from your life, visions from your past. And most importantly, the most important thing about this experience and why it can be so profoundly healing for someone who has not had this experience, it's very hard for them to believe this, but it's like this, there's a spirit to the plant. There is an intelligence. There is a conscious mind that seems to be interacting with you, that talks to you during the experience and shows you, teaches you, shows you things about your past, shows you mistakes you made, shows you how you can improve your life. And it almost appears as though it's making adjustments almost like some kind of like, you know, doctor, octopus doctor that can like spread all its tentacles into your body and make all these kind of minor subtle psychic and biological adjustments in your brain and your nervous system. You feel like something is operating on you and adjusting you. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible experience. And most people who go through it come out of the experience feeling renewed and rejuvenated with uh, with um, physical problems disappearing and with traumas being um, reconciled and different things. Um, myself, I found that a, a childhood trauma that had been, you know, plaguing me for years was, uh, was reconciled um, through these experiences. So it's, um, it's something that's been um, used on in the Amazon for, for thousands of years. It's a, it's a, these are ancient techniques. Um, when used correctly in the proper setting, they appear to be very safe. Um, it's perfectly legal down in Peru. Um, not only is it legal, it's recognized as a traditional medicine down there and very well respected. And um, now, Is it know, legal I'm, here or is it legal in it, certain it, states or how is it dealt with here? Well, it's, it's complicated. It's legal in the United States for um, certain religious groups to use it, uh, the, the, the Santa Daime yeah. uh, religion. Um, has uh, actually went to the Supreme Court. They actually fought all the way to the Supreme Court and won the right to use it as part of their religion. Um, however, it is not legal for anyone else to be doing it, even though all of us, you and I right now as we're speaking, we have DMT in our brains. Our brains naturally have you know, DMT. In our, they're, in their, they're in our bodies all the time. So the DMT is the part of ayahuasca that makes it illegal, but it's actually naturally found not only in our bodies, but in it's in orange juice. It's in plants all over the place. It's so ubiquitous in nature, it's hard not to see it. Um, there are there are ayahuasca ceremonies in churches 
um, that are not part of the Sampa Daimi, that are operating throughout the United States, throughout Japan, throughout Europe, that people go to all the time. I have never heard of anyone being arrested for any of these things. I, I think that they're sort of kept under the radar and people are doing these things primarily either for health reasons or spiritual reasons. It's something people don't seek out for fun. Um, nobody, you know, nobody gets addicted to this for sure. People are usually reluctant to even do it again. But um, the people find that they can actually, <laughs> yeah, that they, they, they can actually cure addictions with helps people to get over alcoholism, you know, opiate addiction, and you know, addictions in people's lives that are unhealthy. Um, ayahuasca tends to improve. There's been a number of studies that, that show this, but uh, unfortunately, right now, it, it's still illegal. But um, I think these things are changing. You know, it's like, you know, cannabis is now slowly becoming legal. And I don't know if you're aware, but in, in uh, Colorado and Oregon, um, there's, they're going to be on the ballot to get magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms legal. I saw mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yes. They're, and they're, they're, and they're, they're using it to to help uh, pa- patients with mental illness. And, I mean, they're finding a real benefit with post-traumatic yes. stress disorder. So yes, that's they're, amazing. They're, they're, I mean... Yes. And then, and so what a wonderful alternative. So yes, yeah. there, so there's a, at Johns Hopkins University right now. There's an enormous amount of psilocybin research going on. Initiatives on the ballot to get it legal. Um, there's now a, a hospital in Australia that's utilizing it. So there's there's definitely a, a change in you know mass consciousness around these things. So I wouldn't be surprised if ayahuasca um, is legal in, in five or ten years or so. That would be very cool. Now, you said there's two plants involved in creating ayahuasca. One is what kappa, and the other one is what? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 cappy is the one that has the the DMT, and then the um, psycho. Um, I'm sorry, that's the one that has the harmaline, and um, and um, psychovirilla is the one that has DMT. Um, People also use alternative plants because there's a number of others. There's actually hundreds of other plants. You can look this up on the Internet to see all the plants that contain DMT. Uh, another one is called Hostelis that's uh, more easily available in the West. And people often use uh, Syrian rue as a substitute for, for Be Happy because that has hormaline in it as well. Do people use this type of... informational purposes, of course. Right, right, exactly. But uh, do people use ayahuasca just as a, I mean, not as just a ceremonial experience that's so intense, but, I mean, just like having a cup of tea. Can you have a cup of ayahuasca that is not going to send you into another reality, but you just do it for health reasons? Um, Well, when you do a significant dose of ayahuasca, it pretty much, incapacitates you. I mean, you have, you're forced to kind of sit there with your eyes closed and just pay attention to what's going on inside in your mind. It's, it's very hard to do things in the outside world. Um, you know, I, I, I did experiment with, with small doses of it, micro doses, and I was able to, uh, to go about and do things, and, and it was kind of interesting. Um, I didn't experiment with it a lot, so I can't really say that much about it, but that would be an interesting thing. People experiment with uh, micro doses, very small doses of either LSD or psilocybin, great results as an antidepressant, as a creative stimulant, and different things like that. Um, I haven't heard of too many people doing it with ayahuasca, but, but I think it is done, and I think there is probably great potential in that area with it. But, it, but it's, a little bit, so. it's a little bit, it's a little bit, it's a little bit too powerful to just 
you know, do as a cup of tea to relax in the evening. It's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a pretty dramatic well, don't you have experience. But don't you have to drink quite a bit of it and, you know, in a ceremony to have that kind of a result where you're sitting there um, just being introspective and walking through worlds? I mean, again, if you had a, like you say, a microdose or a weakened tea, I would imagine, because this plant is so intelligent, it's, yeah. I mean, the two plants combined, obviously, but it's there's such an intelligence there. I would think even a, a very weak version of it could have some really great benefits. I, I think you're right. It's something that really deserves uh, substantial research. I think you're, I think you're on to something. Um, I think so, certain- yeah. yeah. Can anybody yeah. have a negative reaction from taking this? What are some of the negative reactions to taking ayahuasca? Well, so right. certainly, like I, like like I mentioned, the most most the biggest is that it's very usually very physically unpleasant. People often people have to usually wear diapers because they they can't yeah. control their, their their bowel movements. People mm-hmm. often have to have a bowl in front of them to purge to to vomit throughout the experience. Um, I, I didn't actually have either one of these, and I did it a number of times, pretty large dosages. I don't know why I did, but most people most people vomit and have diarrhea during the experience. So that's not, no, no, that's not a long-term side effect, but that's one of the, during the experience, that's one of the people have. It's it's very rare, very rare, but it, it does happen that there are some people who have a kind of psychotic break or some kind of uh, long-lasting effects where the drug doesn't completely wear off and they start seeing hallucinations or visions you know, during their during their daily life. Um, and I think it's very important to screen people. You know, that's, that's the shaman's job, or eventually it will be the psychotherapist's job to screen mm-hmm. people properly to make sure people don't have, you know, existing psychiatric disorders or something that could be worsened by it. Because, um, you know, in, in, the, in, a, in a few rare cases, there are some people where the effects seem to, to last uh, longer than uh, than the four to six hours that they should. Mm-hmm. So, but um, but like I said, that's rare. Most people that go down, you know, really do have positive experiences, and for the most part, mm-hmm. seem to seem to benefit from it. Well, has anyone had but, allergic reactions to the chemicals in it to to their own body type, not just the hallucinations, etc., but a, a physical health effect because of it? Well, I'm sorry, you know someone who had who had an allergic reaction. Or can that's you ask? Can or does? I, I haven't heard of it. Have I think people have allergic right. reactions to anything. I mean, there's almost yeah, there's almost nothing that people can't have an allergic reaction to. Right. So, so yeah, I haven't heard of that being very very common. Of course, the most most important thing, the most I should mention. I mean, every shaman who initiates this, you know an ayahuasca ceremony has to first of all make sure that everyone has been off of. Uh, serotonin uh, reuptake uh, antidepressants for at least two or three weeks um, because this is how people have died from it mm-hmm. um, because that can that can cause a hypertensive reaction that could be deadly um, or okay. serotonin mm-hmm. syndrome so that's that's certainly the most of their shamans need to uh, to screen people for because uh, that's something you don't want to make a mistake with <laughs> yeah well that's yeah really you know, would affect some people I'm sorry that's I was wondering how it would affect some people from that very standpoint, and should they have someone with them when they partake of this, as opposed well, to doing it on the road? Yeah. yeah, I think that well, I, I highly recommend anybody who wants to do ayahuasca 
should, should go down to Peru where it's legal and find a um, a really uh, well-respected, reputable uh, shaman um, who can who can really be trusted because you're going to be in a very very vulnerable state. Um, and mm-hmm. it is very important to be with someone who, who knows what they're doing, who's had a lot of experience with this, to knows you know how to handle it when you're having a difficult time. Um, and yeah, I, I would definitely not recommend somebody do this alone, especially a, a first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering about. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. So. Um, what other types of events or, or I guess, concoctions like this can people <laughs> experiment with in another country because it's not legal here? Is there anything else, or is ayahuasca it? Oh, no, no there are others. Uh, well, well, down in South America, um, there, there's a cactus called uh, the San Pedro cactus, which contains mescaline, which is, um, which is the active component of peyote which is now uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. an endangered species. People have, it, peyote takes uh, around 12 years to grow from, from root to button. Um, and people have been going out to the deserts and just, uh, you know, collecting them and, and killing them. So there's been, um, it's very sad, but peyote is now almost extinct. Um, however, really? Um, oh, San, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah, that's very sad. However, San, the San Pedro cactus which uh, contains the same active component, although in not quite as uh, significant of a quantity. There's less of it, so you have to have more of the cactus. But um, San Pedro is a very quick-growing cactus, and it grows all over South America. Um, It's actually legal in the United States. (laughs) Believe it or not, it's not legal to cut it up and do it as a psychedelic, but it's legal to grow it in your front yard if you want to. Um, But um, they they have ceremonies down in... um, in South America, in, uh, in Peru, in Brazil, and Ecuador, where you can um, take uh, the San Pedro, like you take the ayahuasca, in a ceremonial setting for healing or uh, for spiritual uh, reasons. Um, another, uh, impo- another, probably one of the most important um, psychedelic drugs that we should mention in this area is uh, something called uh, ibogaine, um, which comes from the African root uh, or African bush called iboga. And uh, ibogaine is maybe one, maybe one of the most powerful. If, it's, if you know, if ayahuasca, sort of a toss-up between ayahuasca and ibogaine, powerful. But um, ibogaine can last for you know over 24 hours, and um, it's it's much more physically dangerous than ayahuasca. A few people have died on ibogaine and iboga. Uh-oh. But the, the amazing thing about um, iboga and ibogaine is there are that there are now clinics in New Zealand in Holland, in Canada, um, several other places around the world because it's such an incredibly effective treatment for opiate addiction. Um, oh, amazing. really? So it breaks their amazing. addiction. Okay. Huh. It's ama- amazingly effective, amazingly effective. Um, people who go in um, addicted to heroin, it will eliminate the withdrawal process. They do not even have to go through the withdrawals. And My then goodness. during and then during this kind of very intense twenty four hour psychedelic experience, the plant teaches them, shows them how they got addicted to the opiates, why they got addicted, you know, what they can do and how they overcome it. And and the majority of people are then clean from opiates for years after doing Ibogaine or Iboga. 
So this is something that deserves more medical study. Like I said, there are there's a couple dozen clinics around the world that offer this. And the other interesting thing about iboga, uh, ibogaine, is the active ingredient in iboga, is um, I have in my book, Dreaming Wide Awake, mm-hmm. some anecdotes from a friend uh, in Italy who was using uh, microdoses of iboga as a way to stimulate lucid dreaming. So he found that uh, taking daily small doses of iboga um, every night uh, during that period of the two weeks that he did it or whatever the length of time was, that he was um, having very, very long uh, lucid dreams that he was uh, forced to actively engage in during the process. So, uh, mm. so, um, and somebody else told me who was participated in an ibogaine ceremony um, that they had a lucid dream that night. So it's uh, not only an effective treatment for for opiates, but um, but also a uh, a, um, a lucid dream stimulant in some way. But like I said, it's, now it's, is, it's, it's, it, I'm sorry. Is, is this one legal or not? No, this is in the United States. It's not legal. But it is legal, like I said, in New Zealand and Canada and Holland, and they have clinics where you can go. Um, you know, where you where you do this with a medical doctor and nurses, and just like I said, it's more dangerous than like I said. You know, nobody really dies from ayahuasca unless they mix it with other things. There's not really any substantiated cases. There are you keep hearing about cases, but they're almost always due to something else. You know, mixing it with antidepressants or something like that. People right, actually have. Right. Have, people actually have had heart attacks in ibogaine, so they really need to be done with medical supervision. Um, if you know, especially if somebody's in frail health, so um, so there is that you know that aspect of it, and it is legal in these countries. And the MAPS Institute, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, uh, an organization here in the United States that I worked with for five years. They're doing research right now uh, with uh, at some of these ibogaine clinics to see how effective they are in, in treating opiate addiction. But um, for people that are, you know, that are you know horribly addicted to opiates, this is like for some people it's a miracle cure. It must be because I mean that's like a big topic I know here in Massachusetts. What about in Arizona, PK? Is that a big issue there? The opiate addiction. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it makes. Makes sense that they would explore these other options that are much more natural, don't have the side effects. I, I really hope that our medical researchers and our government will move towards that because the alternatives are, are scary. People continuing to be addicted and then eventually dying one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this makes a lot more sense. Now, the San Pedro cactus, if I can just revisit that again, do people use that in in micro doses for lucid dreaming if they don't want to go through a big ceremony and all of that? You know, I think um, people have used micro doses. I mean, I haven't heard specifically of mescaline. Let's do it. That would be a micro dose of mescaline. I haven't heard that specifically. Out of out of out of all the psychedelics, mescaline tends to be one of the more stimulating. So I. And mm-hmm. long lasting. So I'm not sure how well that would work for a lucid dreaming. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I've never tried it. I don't know of anyone who has. But uh, I have heard of people doing yeah. microdoses of, of magic mushrooms, very, very small mm-hmm. amounts before they go to sleep, and, and that, and that um, stimulating lucid dreams. So, Gosh, it's so fascinating, this whole topic, David. 
We can't thank you enough for such an exciting and wonderful show tonight. You just gave us all so much great information. And everybody that's listening, there is so much more information we couldn't even get to tonight in David's excellent book, Dreaming Wide Awake, Lucid Dreaming, Shamanic Healing, and Psychedelics. And David, if people want to reach you, do you have a website or a Facebook page where they can join you? Yeah, actually, probably my, my Facebook page is probably one of the best ways to, to just find me. Um, just David J. Brown on Facebook. My, my website is www.mavericksofthemind.com. But uh, I'm very active oh, on great. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to reach me and uh, stay in touch with what I'm doing. So thank you so much. These were great questions. And this has been a lot of fun. Let's, let's do it again sometime. Uh, oh, please. I know that, yep. again, you have much very more to say on this topic. and. Yes, and others, and I know it is something that our audience always wants to hear about, so we're definitely going to have you back. So in the meantime, everybody, come on back next week. We're going to have another exciting show. I think we're going to be talking about ghosts of the Southwest. Don't miss it. And until then, (laughs) we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl.